Thanks for downloading this podcast from RNIB Connect Radio. It's time for our monthly visit to Canada, to the offices of the CNIB. John Rafferty joins us each month and we discuss some of the big topics affecting blind and partially sighted people across the country. Uh, John is with us once again. It's summertime well and truly there in Canada, John. It is well and truly summer and we're happy that it is. I won't let you uh, make me jealous by telling me the temperature, so we'll just uh, we'll move it swiftly on. A couple of topics we're going to chat about today. Let's start off with a little bit around employment, entrepreneurship, because I'm sure in Canada, when it comes to employment and uh, say blind or partially sighted people finding jobs, it's not the easiest. No, I, I, I don't think it's necessarily any different, and unfortunately, in many parts of the world, but our employment rates are way too low. There's a lot of very talented, ambitious, amazing individuals that really do struggle. And one of the other areas that I think people who are blind or partially sighted struggle in is the whole ability to start their own business, the confidence, the funding that goes along with that, the access to capital. So we're, we're really pleased to be taking a first step, hopefully it'll grow from there, but a a first step in launching an entrepreneur fund where we can invest in individuals who are blind or partially sighted that maybe already have a business and want to expand that would like to start a business and need some funding to help in a number of different areas and do it in a way that is investing in people and in doing so for those who are successful and grow their businesses will get repaid as an organization and be able to invest it in the next person. Starting your own business, John, for anyone is a bit of a leap of faith. But I know in the UK, we're finding that more and more visually impaired people are actually going down that road. One, because they've probably felt it was difficult to get a job because there are some of these outdated stereotypes and barriers to taking on someone who's a visual impairment. But two, there's a real determination to prove to others and themselves that they can do it. Yeah, I think absolutely. And, and you know, oftentimes for, for many people who are able to be employed, there's also a real issue, as I, I know you're aware and, and your listeners are, of, of underemployment as well. So for people with an ambition and a drive and wanting to really make a mark, I think self-employment and starting a business is a, a great way to do that. But unfortunately, those who provide small business loans and funding for people that want to branch out on their own. You know, there are some of the stereotypes that exist in the lending world as well in terms of giving people access to capital. So our hope is that, you know, we can provide access through this process to funding for people that might want to do some market research or help with the cost of setting up a website or maybe hiring a second employee or buying some equipment, whatever it might be, not huge sums of money, but access to that kind of very important starting capital that just takes the edge off because it's a nerve wracking thing to go out on your own and, and start your own thing. Is it purely the financial side you'll be helping with or could someone come to your door, a blind or partially sighted person and say, I have an idea for starting my own business, but I don't know what to do? What we will be doing with the investments in this initial phase for us is also to provide a kind of a mentor that goes along with the investment. If somebody's starting a business, we will have someone that is there to be a quasi-advisor to help out. Also, where we can, using our offices and some of our infrastructure to provide some other in-kind type support. we piloting this entrepreneur fund, as we're calling it, to invest a few hundred thousand dollars in a number of individuals who are blind or partially sighted to start with, with the goal that, to prove that 
these investments, some of which, you know, may not get repaid, but many of them will. And that money can then be reinvested in others. And hopefully over time, we'll grow it to be able to invest in more people. Fantastic. Great idea. And uh, I'm sure there'll be a big uptake for that as well, John. And as you say, the opportunity, if the businesses are a success, to feed some of that back to CNIB to continue helping others. Yeah, and it's not for CNIB to do this to try and can we make a profit off of these amazing entrepreneurs who are blind or partially sighted starting businesses, but can we, rather than grant people money, invest in them with an expectation for repayment so that we can invest in someone else? And I think that those people who are successful and, and repay their startup loans will hopefully become part of that mentorship group of helping the next person who's going to become an entrepreneur as well. And the capital part of it is incredibly valuable, but probably equally so is, as you say, the mentoring, because to have someone advise you and guide you through, which can be a bit of a minefield in starting your own business and be there just to ask questions, that that's probably, as I say, just as valuable as the financial support. So many things are about confidence, as you know, and having someone to bounce that thought off of starting your own business can be a lonely thing. And so, yeah, we think that that will be very good. And hopefully through this process, we'll start building a resource of people who we have invested in, who as part of their thank you, hopefully will become part of that mentorship program to spur on the next generation of entrepreneurs. John, it'd be great to uh, come back to you further down the line, perhaps when we can also speak with someone who has received that help and, and talk about the boost it's given them, you know, to their lives and to their, their business as well. But let's move on and take a look at the next topic today. Now, we discussed probably just a few months ago, John, about a new piece of infrastructure, a new building, a new development in Toronto. We're really trying to reinvent the physical office away from something that really feels like somewhere where people go to work and much more turning it into a community space. And so we did talk about this and and we've now opened this new space in Toronto. It's on a main street, kind of the the equivalent of Oxford Street in, in London. So very high foot traffic, center of town and very much a community feel. Doggy bar in the front as a, a genius on site to help with technology, the space for kind of yoga and Pilates classes for our community, etc. And one of the areas that I think is really interesting and getting quite a bit of attention is the virtual reality area that we're putting in place as well. We think that virtual realities are going to be able to provide phenomenal training opportunities for people through adjustment and to experience new things who are blind or partially sighted themselves, but also to help educate the community at large around what experiences are like for someone who has lost sight. So educating people with sight as well. And you know, perhaps even if they do get an idea of what it's like to have a certain eye condition, not only could it improve their understanding of sight loss, might even encourage them to take better care of their eyes as well? We would hope so. And I think that we've often used one example in particular with a virtual reality for for you know, the, the tens of thousands of children across the country who are blind or partially sighted, you know, before they are put in a position where they're trying to do something for the first time, even if it's something like their first day at school, what experience would be like in a playground of a school for the first time, uh, creating a virtual reality so that a child and their parents can, can see their child experiencing a virtual example of this is what the playground will be like when you go, to just take that edge off of, of the the 
you know, the challenges that are unique to that situation for an older adult who's lost their sight and is maybe afraid or concerned about trying new things to be able to do them in a virtual reality environment that gives them the confidence to say, actually, maybe dragon boating or rowing or cycling is something I can try. This is designed to be a community space. You know, there's a kitchen area, there's couches, there's technology on display there and people that can help. There are no cubicles, there's no desks or offices. People work from there, but they, they'll sit in a couch or they'll sit upstairs in the yoga area or wherever they feel like to touch down. We want the community to use it as much as possible as, as a gathering place. And yes, we're going to run programming, you know, in air quotes from that location, programming on technology, programming on, you know, physical fitness and social inclusion. But I'm sure that there'll be cooking classes and reading clubs and braille classes for kids and so there'll be things that we do but we also want the community to just be able to be there 11 a.m to 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 8 p.m seven day a week type space fantastic sounds great john we'll uh, certainly look forward to hearing more about the new building as well and how it progresses what the feedback's like as well but in the meantime if uh, anyone would like to learn more about the cnib and its projects or indeed some of the topics we've looked at today how do they get in touch Friend us on Facebook, uh, follow us on Twitter, or you can go the old-fashioned way and and look at us on our website at cnib.ca. John, pleasure speaking with you as always. Uh, We'll catch up again next month here on RNIB Connect Radio. Thanks so much for your interest, Alan. For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts.